It is Monday, April 10th. I'm Scott Seidenberg. And I'm AJ Hoffman. The NBA playoffs are set. And the Masters has a new champion. Here comes the Vegas truth. This is straight out of Vegas. We are straight out of Vegas AM, your daily destination for sports conversation with a Vegas lean. Here's what you need to know to start your day. NBA playoffs and play-ins are set. John Rahm wins the Masters. Brooks Kepka finishes second. Oof, and Odell Beckham has a new home. What is the Vegas lead, Scotty? Let's start with the NBA regular season coming to a close and the playoffs now being set. We have our NBA guru, Mackenzie Rivers, with us. And the play-in games will begin, uh, I guess, tomorrow. We have the Hawks versus the Heat, the Timberwolves versus the Lakers on Wednesday, Bulls and Raptors, Thunder and Pelicans. But these series prices that I'm seeing, AJ, are a little a little out there as we bring in Mackenzie Rivers. Mac, first off, what did you make of the final day of the NBA regular season and some drama that we saw across the league? To be honest, I steer cleared of the final day of the regular season from a betting perspective. It's is you, it's, and is this over? It's treacherous. <laughs> it's it's uh yeah, it's not my cup of tea. Some people understand motivation and kind of get which players are resting, which players are not. I like to say who's the better team. That's how I usually generally handicap. So uh, much decided already in the NBA, almost everything, but still enough uh, enough passion to see some uh, some fisticuffs, at least in Minnesota. <laughs> yeah, Rudy Gobert punching his teammate, and then like, can we, like, is that a punch? It was a sh- it was it's a like fistful a, shove. Yeah, I was interested from a fighting perspective. It's that's not he a didn't punch. engage him. It's not like he gave him a chance to like fight. It was kind of like a. A, a bitch slap. It's like almost. he reached across like three other people and shoved him with his fist. It was like yeah. a ho- it was like a hockey scrum punch, where yeah. you, you just you kind of just you just push with your fist. You don't kind of just throw the punch. Like imagine imagine a world where you're intending to inflict harm on someone, and you punch them in the chest. <laughs> that's not that's not how most guys fight, especially guys who are like seven feet tall. Like if he really wanted to throw a punch, I'm guessing he would have thrown a punch at his face. I'm going to go with he shoved a teammate, just happened to shove him with a close so, fist. Like what, so what happens now with the Timberwolves? Gobert was basically sent home, uh, and Jaden McDaniels punched a wall and broke his hand, apparently. So is this a team that it's we— It's hard to play basketball with a broken yeah. hand, I believe. Is this, is this just all setting up for the Lakers to make the playoffs? Did Adam Silver pay them <laughs> yeah. to make this happen? Because, yeah, we have the Lakers six-and-a-half-point favorites against the Timberwolves in the uh, play-in around here, Mac. So the Lakers set a record, I believe, 200 free throws disparity to their favor compared to, not the average team, compared to the second-best team in the league. Now you get Rudy Gobert, not exactly um, uh, a fun face for the NBA right now, and this is a week after he said this. This is one of the more blatant controversies I've ever seen Ooh. laid out there. So don't know what that word means. It's I've expansive. been in the league for 10 years, Rudy Gobert said last week. And I always try to give the benefit of the doubt, but it's hard for me to think they're not trying to help them win tonight. He goes on and on and on talking about the referees in a way that I have from time to time, mm. get a couple drinks in me, you know. I don't think it's always fair the way it's set up, but I'm not in the league. 
So $25,000 out of his pocket, Chris Finch, the coach, also got fined $15,000. There's a way to bet on the free throw disparity in this game. It's going to be massive, is my, is my personal opinion. What do you make of the Lakers finishing with the best record in the NBA since the All-Star break? Well, they got plus 200 free throws. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like five points a game. It's that the helps. difference between an average team and a, and a great team. Uh, and when you think about it, it was almost all in the second half of the season right after they lost that game in Boston. Mm. And, and so we're assuming I'm going to give the Lakers a win uh, in this game. My power ratings make it six and a half, but yeah. the home court teams are getting money. The market is liking the home court teams. You see that push up to seven. So there'll be Lakers Grizzlies in the first round. What would you make that series price? So the Lakers, if the Lakers win one game, they're seven. Lakers win, they're the seventh seed. If the they... loser of that game will then play the winner of the Pelicans and Thunder for the eighth seed. Okay. That's how that's how the playing tournament works. Yeah. You have the seven eight game. The winner is the winner now the seventh seed. Seventh seed. The loser has another chance, and they will host that game. That's why, like being seven or eight, mattered so much. Yeah. It matters so much in this format because you get two cracks at making the postseason. What do you got, Mac? Minus one fifty. I have them as even teams. I give the Memphis Grizzlies the home court advantage. Wow. Minus one fifty in a series. When you looked at the series prices that we have, and let me just quickly run through them, uh, which one of these jumped off the page to you? So the Warriors and the Kings in the three-six matchup in the Western Conference. Now, before you say this number, the Warriors are the six seed. Right? Yes, okay, the Warriors just... are the six seed. The Kings have home court now. It's only an hour uh, apart from each other, so there's really not travel involved. Uh, I don't even think that they would be like. Honestly, like I wonder how this works. Would the Warriors? stay in their own homes and just travel to Sacramento the day of the game or because they have a do, game off between every game or do they stay in the hotel because it's an hour drive between San Francisco and and Sacramento so I'm really curious how that works out but anyway Warriors are minus 290 Kings plus 225. That's probably one that jumps off the page here. I, and I know it jumped off to you, AJ. It jumped off to me because here's the list of teams that have fewer wins away from home than the Golden State Warriors. Pistons, Rockets, Spurs. That's the end of the list. That's the three teams with the most ping pong balls and the Victor Wimbayama sweepstakes. Only the Warriors have, like, the Warriors are the next team in, in least amount of road wins and they're a minus 290 favorite in a series where they're on the road help help me make sense of this and it's pick them in game one and if you extrapolate from where that puts the two teams it's actually showing that the Warriors are very expensive here however we've seen this with the Warriors before where their series price doesn't quite line up with their game price because they have the most experience of any team in the field by far Steve Kerr hasn't won a lot of road games and it's in his tenure this season, but has famously won at least one road game in all of their playoff series dating back to his time as the Warriors coach. So, yeah, I think, honestly, if I would pick, if I would bet the series, I would, I'm definitely leaning towards the Warriors. It's just a lot to... Uh, so expensive. It's a lot to throw away when you just look at this season compared to the last few seasons, especially with Andrew Wiggins coming back. So Draymond Green talked about the uh, the short distance between the two you know locations. He said, quote, so being that it's a bus ride away, I think that would be great for us, and hopefully we can fill the stands with some Dubs fans, Dub Nation, and try and turn it into a home game. But SAC has a great crowd. They've been ready and waiting for this for years. It'll be a crazy atmosphere, but I'm looking forward to it, end quote. 
I, I was going to say, it seems like it'd be a tough ticket to get for the road team. Yeah, like, yeah. I, I honestly, I really wonder if the Warriors are not going to stay in Sacramento. Like, there's there's also something about staying in a team hotel and then getting ready, like, for a road game. But yeah. they, could, they could literally treat this like a home game and just hop on a bus in the morning and travel to Sacramento for for for, for shoot-around. Well, that's, I mean, hearing Draymond Green's quote, it makes me wonder, like, What's the really difficult part of travel, like in the NBA? Is it is it the flight? It can't be that bad. It's not like they're flying uh, United yeah, exactly. in coach. Sure. Like, which there's it, nothing wrong with flying United in coach. People. No, but is it? <laughs> I mean, is is the tra- they're like it's only an hour bus ride. Like, is that so beneficial? Like, I think look, let's travel. Let's keep. Let's be honest here. Travel for six foot five and above people is a little different than travel for normal-sized humans. I agree with that completely. And to sit on a four-hour flight on a plane when you are that size, I can understand how it will be a little more difficult. Now, granted, they are not flying coach on United. The, the planes are a little bit more accommodating for them. But still, it, it's, it's probably not as comfortable as you and I sitting on a flight. And then there's also maybe some time difference, uh, whether it's to, then you got to check into the hotel and you use your fake name and and then you go out to dinner and you're doing all this stuff and you're worrying about, I don't know. I, there's tra- no one wants to deal with travel. Just sleep in your own darn bed and then wake up and go to work. That's the best case scenario for any team. I think you can almost mirror being in your own bed on a bus. Like there's some barometric pressures or whatever that you can't avoid when you go into on, on an airplane. But if you get a very comfortable bus Feels like you, know, you just just wake me up when I'm there. They can like, drive set, their set my own alarm cars. Clock. They can drive their own cars. Have you have you been one of these new Teslas? You barely have to drive it. <laughs> yeah. Read the newspaper in there. Listen, it, I'm, it's it's Silicon Valley. I'm sure they have self-driving Teslas that'll take them to Sacramento to go to very assisted to, to go to that series. The John Stockton of yeah. cars. All right, so let's see <laughs> let's see uh, what the other series are priced at right now. Suns Clippers. This one jumped off the page at me. Suns minus six hundred. To the Clippers. Clippers plus four. I mean, I get it. There's no Paul George, but if I'm Kevin Durant, you're saying I have to have an 80% chance to win against maybe the best, other best small forward in the league in Kawhi Leonard? That's that's a, that's a tough task. Mighty price. I mean, he got swept out of last year's first round, and I think he played, you know, not well, but, you know, not, not, not 2011 LeBron against the Mavericks or whatever. He played a decent series. I could see the same thing happening again. I could see the Clippers causing some real noise here if Kawhi Leonard becomes the best player in the series, which he's very capable of being. Both those teams dealt with a lot of injuries this season, obviously. At the end of the day, they were separated by one game in the standings. Mm. That number is absurd for two teams who played 82 games and were separated by one. And I get that KD wasn't there all year. Right. Paul George missed a great chunk of the year. And they're undefeated Kawhi missed with K- a big chunk. They're undefeated with KD, the Suns are, but they haven't played anybody. They played the Nuggets without Jokic. They played uh, the Mavs before we thought we knew that the Mavs were bad. So uh, a lot of question marks. Well, and they lost. Well, they were, they're not. I guess they're not undefeated against the Clippers. I guess. Kevin oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Play in that game, though, right? That's, that's the last game of the season. I didn't. <laughs> doesn't, doesn't count, but. Uh, doesn't register. That's. And we talked about this game kind of like the. The Suns not having much motivation to to win that game because if they win that game, they, it's Golden State coming to their house instead of the Clippers. They'd much rather play a Paul Georgeless Clippers team than seemingly an all healthy Golden State team. So uh, Suns looked like they gave away the game yesterday. I'm not say, not saying that they 
tanked quite to the Mavericks level of tanking, which we, I guess we should get to at some point as well. Mm. What do you guys think of that? I think it's insane. Like, I get that it happens. Played the first quarter. They I, said, I'm good, y'all. I get that it happens in the league sometimes like a month left in the season. You mentioned in our group text, Portland did this, you know, several weeks ago. Yep. It's different. Very much so. When it's the like the day of the game that if you win, you make the playoffs, and if you lose, you don't. And then saying our organization had a change of heart or change <laughs> like that's that's saying we didn't want to win on purpose. You know what happened was Mark Cuban was on that uh, NBA mock draft simulator and he hit it about a hundred times, and the hundredth time said Victor Vembanyama, and he's like, wait a minute, this changes everything. They they literally made a decision that they weren't going to win in the playoffs. And so in order to keep their draft pick instead of losing it because it's only top 10 protected, in order to keep their draft pick, they did not want to make the playoffs. And that is – well, remember, their draft pick, it has to be – it's lottery protected. Mm-hmm. So th- that's the other thing is, like, we, we talk about this all the time. We see teams, okay, we can't win. Like, our mindset is I could see that team realizing they can't win – but the mindset of professional athletes is always we can win. And if I'm Mark Cuban and I look at, I look at my locker room, I say, man, I see Luca over there. I see Kyrie Irving over there. Things go right. We could compete with anybody. Think about what Mark Cuban did. He sacrificed the potential because, look, they would be on the road for the, sure. the, the two playing games, right? So they'd have to go 2-0. and But with, you know, Kyrie and Luca, yeah. you, could, you could easily win any game you play. And then, let's say they do win those games, he sacrificed at least two home games mm-hmm. for his fans, which the potential of, of getting that gate and that money. He sacrificed at least, well, at least four, uh, six games of television revenue. Yep. And literally is just punted on a season, which I don't think, like, imagine. And he dampened the legacy of Luka. Yeah. Let's just, let's let's call it what it is, like. People still point at the time when LeBron didn't make the playoffs. And they're like, ha, see? Like, sure. this is Luca's. like, that's it now. And it's not like year one. It's like people talk about mm-hmm. Luca like he's one of the five best players in the league today. And he's not in the playoffs. And he's not in the playoffs not because they didn't put anybody around him. There's like a top 15, top 20 guy in the locker room with him. And he still didn't make the playoffs. There's no way. History will smile on this season for Luca. There's just no way. I, I understand yeah. too, like the business decision and teams. Like we talk about this all the time, right? Where teams should make a decision where, oh, it's better off to miss the playoffs and you get a better draft pick or things like that, and or how you want to finish in the NFL. The Houston Texans they shouldn't win because you yeah. need to get the number one pick. So we talk about this all the time in sports, but it's also damning to the sport. To have teams actually do this. And the NBA has tried and tried to solve the issue of tanking. They created this play-in tournament. They changed the percentage odds. Now teams are tanking out of the tournament. (laughs) They changed the percentage odds of the top picks getting the the ping-pong balls to win the lottery. I don't know what else they can do if something like this is going to keep happening. Here's my thoughts. If I had a lottery-protected pick that I was going to give up, don't you want to give up the 13th pick or 12, like whatever the late pick they're going to get is? Like, do you want to wait till down the road and give up that? Pick? It just seems like now's the time to give it up. You're you're not draft. You're not going to draft top three. Let's face it. You're, they've Very got like a, they've got like one ping pong ball now. Yeah, 
You're not going to draft top three. You're not going to draft – like, what's the point? Just give up that pick. Give yourself a puncher's chance. Here's my problem with it, and I don't blame the Mavericks for having this mindset because it makes it makes sense in a way. We can't win. We might as well build our team. Okay. You can't say that out loud, though. Mm. With Like, media guys, we can say that out loud. We can say, why, why wouldn't they do this? Yeah. Why'd the Texans win that game? But when you're the actual team, you have to put forward the face that, hey, we're trying to win games. We Organizationally, we want to win games. And I'll be honest, this does not look great on the Mavericks organization. I can't picture a world where, like, give, name a, a respected NBA franchise. I can't, I, can't, I can't see a world where the Golden State Warriors do this move, where the San Antonio Spurs do this move. Uh, I just can't, I, the Boston Celtics, it, it would never happen in my opinion. Like they would purposely say, you know what? We're going to lose these last two games because it's in the best interest of the franchise. Like just directionally for your franchise, it's sort of a black eye. I can, and, and even if they wanted to lose, like I, I obviously you just can't do it. You can't like tell Kyrie and, and, uh, and Luca to just play half-assed. Right. But the one thing you can do is tell them that they're not playing. And that's how you do. That's how you ensure the losing and the tanking. But it's lets everybody know that that's exactly what you're doing. Here's the only solution that I can think of, because the NBA is going to try everything now to to, to prevent this. And even the fine's not going to do anything because Mark Cuban will just pay it. You know, he'll get some of his latest Shark Tank thing to pay it. I don't know. What the NBA should do is they should say there's no such thing as lottery protected anymore. And therefore, anytime you trade, that's the pick that's traded. And then there's no incentive to keep your pick on a what if. Yeah. Yeah. Right? That's a good point. Just say there's no such thing. You cannot lottery protect the pick anymore. If you either trade it or you don't trade it. Yeah. Because all, all you're doing is lottery. Like you're giving incentive to. Yeah. To, and to and the you lottery. get to a point where you're a team and you're like, wait a minute. We made a trade and we have a. we If we finish in the lottery, we keep our pick. If we don't, we trade the pick. Well. Let's lose and make sure that we're in the lottery. No, we, we have to stop that. Uh, let's move on with these playoff series. And we got the Cavs and the Knicks. Cavs minus 200, Knicks plus 160. Mackenzie, tell me why I should save my money and not bet on the New York Knicks plus 160. Because my heart is telling me, go to the window and say, please give me the New York Knicks to win this series. Well, your brain should tell you to shop around and get a plus 180, first of all. <laughs> uh, but while you probably... Thanks, Fez. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, I don't really see the Knicks advancing past the first round for the first time since, I don't know, what, Carmelo? Did Carmelo yeah. ever even yeah. do it? Yeah, they won one playoff series. Yeah. Streamers fell from the rafters. <laughs> I, I don't see it happening in this one. The Cavs just, they're, they're better at every position. They kind of have a similar makeup, uh, but they just have more firepower. Donovan Mitchell, Jalen Brunson, they cross each other out. And then Darius Garland, you look at his advanced mm. numbers, he could be an all-NBA guy that, that you, you just don't hear about. So they're just they're more talented. And uh, Tibbs, he gets a lot out of regular season teams. Uh, hasn't historically done so in the playoffs. What's wild is the Knicks 3-1 and one against the Cavs in the regular season. Like It, I, it was surprising to me that the Knicks have had success against this Cavs team. Well, here's a bet that I'm going to play just in just because of my own personal spite against James Harden. The Sixers are minus 900 against the Brooklyn Nets. The Nets, you get plus 600 or shop around and get the best price on the comeback. I'm going to bet the Nets to win this series because 
I'm going to be very anti-James Harden. I think there are better ways to light your money on fire. <laughs> yeah. uh, McKenzie mentioned this the other day. Like the, the Sixers are playing like one of the best teams in the league since well, the All-Star break. Get this. Like they, they're incredible right get, now. Get this. Joel Embiid finished with the points per game, uh, the scoring title, right? James Harden led the NBA in assists per game. They're the first. Now what the ball hog? They're they're the first pair of teammates to win the That's scoring title. That. And the assist title in the same season since George Gervin and Johnny Moore in 1981-82. Wow. <laughs> That's going back in time. Yes. Yeah. Well, I, I listen. Don't you think this would happen more often though? It's like if like you have a guy that leads the league in scoring. Don't you think like someone on his team would lead the league in assists? Assume, yeah. But maybe it's just multiple players passing him the ball. This this goes to show me it's only James Harden passing him the ball. Yeah. And he gets a lot of assists where he just gives it to him at, like, the half-court line or the free-throw line, and he just, like, does an incredible move and does a 360 and dunks on somebody. <laughs> Assist to James Harden. Like, they've gotten more and more liberal with these uh, designations. But, yeah, Philadelphia, since the trade deadline, that's a, good, that's a good place because the Nets had such a big trade without Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. They're plus six per game. The Nets scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Not nearly as good. They're minus two per game. So mm -hmm. that's a seven-point difference just doing the basic math. Six points better – on uh, they're eight and a half point favorites, so that means them six points better. I think that's at least light. I would actually lay the minus eight hundred here. So taking a look, Mac, at the playing tourney now. Let's get your predictions on who you think's going to advance. We'll start in the Eastern Conference, where the first game is going to be the Miami Heat against the Atlanta Hawks. The Heat are five point favorites. That's the seven eight game. My power ratings make this one. I think the Hawks are a slightly better team. I think you go out and get a Dejounte Murray exactly for this reason. Trey Young was swallowed up last year in the playoffs. Very good defense for them, but when you have another uh, head of the snake, I think the Heat are vulnerable. They've been bad, as bad defensively as they've been offensively all season of, of late. Uh, I like the upset here. I like the Hawks getting the plus 165. Wow, okay. Uh, and that game is in Miami. And uh, then we have the Bulls and the Raptors in the 9-10 game. That game is in Toronto, and the spread right now is Toronto laying five. I like what the Raptors have looked like since the trade deadline when they got Pirtle. Uh, generally pessimistic on the Bulls, and I think you got a coaching matchup advantage here. So I, I'd lean towards the Raptors here. You lean towards the Raptors. Okay, so that would mean that the Raptors would then visit Miami because they would be the loser of the 7-8 game, and then they'd have the home court advantage. So Raptors at Miami, who do you have being the eighth seed in the playoffs? You know, we talk about the Lakers free throw disparity. Uh, they're such a sexier team than Toronto, and the Miami Heat – uh, with the bullet number two in free throw disparity. So uh, I would probably, uh, you know, with my conspiracy hat on, uh, heater pass in that matchup. All right, let's go to the Western Conference, the 7-8 matchup, Lakers and Timberwolves. We talked about this a little bit briefly earlier. This game in L.A., Lakers six-and-a-half-point favorites. Yeah, you got the Lakers premium. My numbers make it six-and-a-half, but uh, I also think the experience factor is – could could be pivotal here. So I, I would probably lean the favorite here. Like, and then the Thunder at the Pelicans in the 9-10 game. The Pelicans, four-and-a-half-point favorites. Experience and just a lot more talented team. Uh, I feel like Brandon Ingram doesn't get the pub that SJ has this year, but uh, they're a lot deeper outside of their best players. So I, I think uh, you lay it here with the Pelicans. And then that would mean Pelicans at the Timberwolves for the eighth seed. Who you got? Timberwolves, home court advantage makes a difference in that one. Pat Beverly, uh, he won't be there, but his spirit will be waving towels somewhere. 
All right, there's the uh, look at the playoffs for the NBA. The first round gets underway. The play-in round, I should say, gets underway tomorrow, Tuesday night. Um, one final thing, uh, I mentioned that, you know, that stat with uh, Harden and Embiid. LeBron James had his 80th 30-point game after the age of 35. That ties Carl Malone for the most in NBA history. I think any kind of counting stat after the age of 30, after the age of 35, LeBron's going to, when it when his career is done, he's going to have all of those numbers because no one's going to be as good deep into their, into their careers as LeBron James is going to be. Like, whatever you think about with the debate of LeBron, is LeBron, you know, top five, mm-hmm. top three, whatever. Like, there's no denying that someone his age shouldn't be as good as he is. And the fact that he's been able to stay at a consistently good level, whether you think it's like elite or not, but he's been consistently great for most of his career. To me, that's maybe the biggest credit to Le- LeBron. He's going to be a, a big-time stat piler mm-hmm. by the time it's all said and done. A lot like Carl Malone. If you have Carl Malone in your top 15, LeBron James is Carl Malone except faster with a handle. Yeah. Like, it's crazy how good he is. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's no reason for debate. I mean, the fact that he, he's in the conversation is all that matters for LeBron. Uh, another NBA note, six players averaged 30 points per game this season. Jason Tatum, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, nice. Giannis, Damian Lillard, Luka Doncic, and Joel Embiid. That is tied. Not, where's uh, Where's Nikola Jokic? Did an average 30 points what? per game. That is <laughs> tied for the most players to average 30 points a game in a season in NBA history. The last time it happened, 1961-62. Does this say anything about the era of basketball that we're in now, McKenzie? Yeah, they, they changed a couple rules, t- tweaked a couple things, players got better, et cetera, et cetera. Five points per game was the difference between this year and last year per team, so 10 points per game. Uh, looking through the history here, the annals, I've never seen a five-point jump uh, in one season. So it's, it's something to think about uh, if this is the new norm or if this is somewhat of an aberration with the, uh, the take foul rule and every, all the changes. That I was going to say, not only that, I'd love to see the discrepancy between those six guys mm. last year versus this year, how many extra free throws they attempted this year. Sure. Because yeah, that, free, that, free throws up two per game per team as well. That has to make a difference. Like, you know, it's a, if it, I mean, because there's plenty of guys every year who average 28. You know, it's getting to that 30 number is tough, but like a couple extra trips to the free throw line, that'll get you. Well, going into yesterday, looked like Scotty Scheffler was going to be putting a green jacket on a live golfer. To the PGA's glee, that was not the case. (laughs) And Scotty Scheffler gave the green jacket to John Rahm. And it's tough to... Green jacket, gold jacket, who gives it? it's, It's tough to really point at was like I mean John Rahm was amazing yesterday so it's hard to say Kepka choked mm. Kepka did not play nearly his best golf yesterday those two things happened at the same time and it also, was enough for yeah, John Rahm and, to overtake him. and let's also acknowledge that the weather played such a role this weekend where he had suspension of play resumption of play I mean these guys played two rounds of golf yesterday, essentially. And so if you were on yesterday, like John Rahm, you were able to, you know, do what you did for scoring purposes in a third round and roll it into a fourth round. If you were uh, Brooks Kepka and you struggled a bit, well, then you had a bad third round and a bad fourth round. But you know what? To that same point, 
and you actually, you and McKenzie both, I think, gave this out on SOV on Friday, was you liked Brooks to be leading at the end of the second round. I said after the second round, yep. And, thank like, think, think thank back you, thank you. to the weather impacting. Mm-hmm. Why did you like Kepka? Because he was teeing off before the weather. Yep. So for whatever harm Kepka got in the in the last two days of this tournament by the weather, he benefited, he benefited early, early yeah. when Rom was suffering. So well, I think Phil it Nicholson. all uh, that's an unbelievable story <laughs> that like none of so the PGA under the radar. they were like we're not talking about it. <laughs> no articles about Lefty. Wonder why. Yeah. Wonder why. In the final round. Well, huh? is there? Look at just the entire. I mean. Mickelson finishes Mickelson and Kepka finished tied for second at eight under. Patrick Reed finishes tied for fourth at seven under. That's three live golfers finishing in the top three. I'll be well, top four. But, yeah, top four. Yeah. But I, I'll be honest, had you told the live tour, mm-hmm. hey, you're not going to have a guy win the Masters, but you're going to be tied for second and you're going to have the third place guy, the live tour is like, Let's go. That's a big week for us. This is a win for the live. It's not a win for the live tour, but it's a win for their golfers to play so well in this tournament. No doubt. hundred uh, percent. And for John Rahm, I mean, th- th- this guy's just incredible. He's been one of the best in the world for the past couple of years and just, just a, a great final round and really o- honestly overshadowed what could have been one of the great stories in sports if Phil Mickelson would have won this event. I mean, I don't think we can, I don't think we can understate that. Like for, forget about even forgetting the live stuff. At just, his age, just for Phil, no doubt with his track record over the past couple of years to, to win the masters would have been one of the massive stories in sports. It would have been like, like tiger a couple of years ago, you know, winning another major. It's just, this would have been huge and, and credit Phil, if not for a bad third round, the bad finish to the third round, where he uh, he had three bogeys, I think, on the back nine. If not for that, Lefty probably would have been in this thing in the final round. So he finishes four strokes back of John Rahm and uh, at eight under, just a, a really good performance from uh, from Phil. Plus twenty thousand. Phil was to win the headed event. into the tournament. Yeah, imagine that. Imagine that ticket. I mean, you couldn't even cash out on it. Like, let's say you had it at one of the uh, legal books because he was never leading. So they wouldn't have even offered anything. But imagine, like, imagine that sweat holding on to that ticket and seeing Brooks Kepka collapse. This is before the final round. Or, or even just seeing Phil do what he did on the final round. And you're like, man, if John Rahm can shoot a, uh, a 72, 72? You know, maybe you could you could fade John Rahm live. Yeah, some sort of hedge. So or, or yeah, buy on. I don't know whatever you could have done. Yeah, but, buy uh, on it. Yeah, yeah. and uh, some other notable. By um, the way, the, the the lowest score ever by a player on, over the age of fifty he scored a sixty-five seven under. That's incredible. Just yeah, what a day for Phil. Other notable finishes, uh, Jordan Spieth. I mean, you want to talk about a guy quietly like having a really good Masters tournament, Jordan Spieth. Maybe regaining his form, I don't know, but he finishes seven under, so uh, tied for fourth. So great finish by Jordan Spieth. Uh, Scotty Scheffler, the uh, the reigning champ, finished at four under. Um, so did Colin Morikawa. My guy Shane Lowry finished at <laughs> two uh, under, and all the way down the list, Tiger Woods 
with a WD next to his name for withdrawal. Yeah. And uh, I believe your boy called that. Uh, now, I called it prior to him. I thought he was going to miss the cut, and I thought maybe he withdrew was going to withdraw before the cut. But Tiger, credit him. Yeah, he, he was actually he was gutsy. Gu- he gutted it out uh, on the second round, even though he was limping through the whole thing, gutted it out, and barely made the cut. He tried to go out there and play the third round. He got about six holes in and was like, I can't do it. And withdrew from the tournament. And to his credit, he was better this weekend than Justin Thomas. He was better this weekend than Rory McIlroy. Uh, he was better this weekend than, you know, Bubba Watson, who's won two Masters. Like, it was a great weekend for Tiger, or a great week for Tiger mm-hmm. Woods. 23rd uh, Thursday, consecutive Friday. cut made at the Masters ties. Fred Couples and Gary Player for longest streak ever. Yeah, pretty pretty incredible. So, I, I like like you said, it's a, at the end of the day, it's a, you know, it's a WD, mm-hmm. and, but... It was it. It wasn't what I was expecting. It wasn't him just looking terrible down the stretch and then realizing I don't have any chance to win. I think his body physically just couldn't keep going. Which let him use a cart. I'm I'm with you on that. I agree. But I do think going forward, the way to bet these is probably bet Tiger to make the cut, and and then fade him going forward. Like it's it's remarkable how consistent that strategy has been. Yeah, he's like been a little bit better than you expected, and then falls off. A like these, these live golfers, uh, like apparently uh, Brooks Kepka, really good for three rounds. Uh, they're uh, that's what they're used to now. <laughs> I think Tiger four holes, baby, really good for thirty six holes. After that, uh, it goes uh, downhill. I, you can't call it really good. He finished three over through the first two rounds. You can't call it really good for th- for two rounds. I think he bar- do you relative that, to expectation, Tiger Woods was a Justin Thomas putt away from missing the cut. Yeah. Like it's like them out though. Let's he looked not, at him. Let, let's like let's not let's not say that Tiger did something miraculous thing here that like he made the cut. Like Justin Thomas, you know, uh, if he makes a putt, Tiger Woods is does not does not make the cut. If you didn't look at Tiger the whole weekend, all you did was look at the rain and the delays. And someone said, "How did he do over thirty six holes?" I think plus three is a little bit better than you'd, you'd expect. I think so too. Just, That's what just I, a little like... bit. He pushed to push to covered. Yeah, I, I'm not mad at his performance. I, I'm not going to say he played. Gr- I shouldn't say he played great, but it was, it it was it was at least fun to watch. Uh, and that's all I ask out of Tiger these days. Don't like, don't be terrible. And he wasn't terrible. Yeah, but uh, he looked like he belonged. I guess so. <laughs> uh, to me, I'm still going to continue. Listen, I think Fez's bet is the best bet that you can make in sports. Don't win the Masters for Tiger Woods. Just, or don't win like, like any event. The fact you know? that he outplayed Roy McIlroy, like who is still one of the top guys in golf. Will Tiger Woods? Will Tiger Woods win another major? No, no. Will he win another event? Yes. Okay. Will you, but will you lay the? Will you do the bridge jumper on him in every major four times a year? Will you do it? Yeah. Yeah. Probably. So would I. I mean, it makes. Although I. I'll be oh. honest, I'm much more interested in betting Tiger to make the cut in most of these. Th- yeah. Think about it. If you say he's probably going to win an event, I'm not sure if that's likely or not. We're getting like 80 to 1 at every event. In- so he's going to win one in the next 80? But you're not going to get 80 to 1 because you're never going to get true odds on Tiger because people are going to bet on Tiger. So the odds are yeah. going to be predicated on the money coming in rather than, his smaller real, events, yeah. rather than his real chances to win. And here's what I believe about Tiger that I don't about most of these guys. Like, you, grab a random guy off the leaderboard. Ryan Fox. Ryan Fox, who That's won. That's a made-up golfer. He's an Australian <laughs> golfer. He made 125K. 
or 147K for playing in this tournament. Tiger Woods is one of the few guys that I know is not playing in this tournament to cash a check. Mm -hmm. Tiger Woods would not play in this tournament unless he legitimately thought he could win it. And if, if Tiger goes into a tournament healthy enough that he thinks he can win it, I'm going to bet on him to make the cut in that tournament. I'm not betting on him to win it because I think his his self-belief is irrational, but I believe in him enough to think he could play well for two rounds. Well, listen, all he if he would have just finished the final the final two rounds, would have walked away with at least forty three thousand dollars because he gets the, nothing. The last player that that made the cut uh, zero dollars next to his name. Keith Mitchell, who finished the tournament at fourteen over, at least gets his check. It's like uh, uh, Happy Gilmore, and he's like, "How much does first place get? How much does the guy who finishes last get?" Well, either way, I'm walking home with some money. <laughs> That's exactly what happened here. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. How's your social battery right now, AJ? I know sometimes I get drained, and it could be easy to ignore your social battery and just spread yourself too thin, you know, especially when it comes to social gatherings and maybe just things you're not in the mood for. Well, do you know the right amount of socializing you need to do to keep yourself balanced? Therapy can give you that self-awareness and you can build basically your routine that reflects what you need personally. Everybody's different in this way. That was a big driver for me when I was in therapy. I got a lot out of it and it's so easy here Give BetterHelp a try if you've said, I don't want to go out of my way to do this. It's all online. It's as convenient as can be, and it's suited to you. It's simple. Just fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch at any time for no additional charge. Find your social sweet spot with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Vegas today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Vegas. AJ. It's important to me that the supplements that I take every single day are of the highest quality. And that's why ever since they jumped aboard as a sponsor with us, I've been drinking AG1. Because for AG1, quality isn't just a buzzword. AG1's ingredients are heavily researched for efficacy and quality. And I love that every scoop has prebiotics, probiotics, digestive enzymes for my gut support, B vitamins for energy. It's got the magnesium and ashwagandha for stress support, also testosterone support, vitamin C and zinc to support my immune system. I don't get sick anymore. Well, you're welcome for introducing you to AG1. Yeah, but uh, I mean, this stuff is incredible. And so many people have asked me, are you just reading commercials? No, man. AG1 is actually legit. And there's a reason why I drink it every single day. It just makes taking care of my health so much easier in general. So if you want to replace your multivitamin and more, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 plus K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first subscription at drinkag1.com slash SOV. That's drinkag1.com slash SOV. Check it out. Odell Beckham Jr. has agreed to terms with the Baltimore Ravens on a one-year $15 million deal. OBJ, uh, the big free agent target for many teams, including the New York Jets, whom he was scheduled to visit today. Yes, scheduled to visit the Jets today. OBJ then agrees to a deal with the Ravens yesterday, 15 mil. Guaranteed, it could be worth up to $18 million. The questions that I have now, 
What does this signing, it's two-part, what does this signing mean for the Ravens and Lamar Jackson? And what does this signing mean for the Jets and Aaron Rodgers? Because Odell Beckham Jr. was one of the players that Aaron Rodgers had requested the Jets go after. Now, the Jets already went after Alan Lazard. They signed him. And so that should make Aaron Rodgers happy. But he also wanted Odell Beckham Jr. And it appeared that that was going to happen. Like I said, the meeting was supposed to happen today. But now it's not happening. And the Jets still don't have a deal for Aaron Rodgers, which I think yeah, I think on draft day we'll actually get a deal done, like during the draft. Maybe. So you know, see what players out there. If there's a player at 13 that, they, that the, 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 the Packers really covet, like that'll get the deal done yeah. anyway. But – with with OBJ signing with the Ravens, don't you think that OBJ and Lamar would have had to have some conversation? Why would Odell Beckham Jr. sign with a team where he didn't know who was going to be the quarterback? I mean, maybe because he's coming off another major knee surgery and they offered him 15 mil that could turn into 18 mil. Like, it seems like good money for a wide receiver who's got a ton of question marks. But even like, if you don't know who the quarterback's going to be? I mean, the, oh, he's scheduling meetings with all these teams, right? The Cowboys and, and the Jets, and he's, try, he's drawing interest from all these other teams. Don't He has his choice. I understand money's money, but he has his choice of team. He obviously would want to know who the quarterback yeah, is. Yeah, and he visited Buffalo. He visited Dallas. He yeah. visited the Giants. I don't think any of those guys were going to pay him 15. And, and like I said, the deal could be $18 million if he if he reaches in incentives. I don't think any of those teams were going to give him $18 million for a year of football. I think at the end of the day, Odell Beckham realizes, hey, I probably don't have a whole bunch more years where I can, like, really make some bucks. I'm going to get it while I can. So, uh, and let's face it, on some of those other teams, who knows how easy it is to come by targets? In Baltimore, like. He's the number one wide receiver. Actually, he's the number two. Mark Andrews is the number one as the tight end. Yeah, I, I mean, I think Rashad Bateman, it, like, there's promise there. But it, at a minimum, he's on the field all the time. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know if he's on the field all the time in a bunch of places. But I know he's on the field all the time in Baltimore. I, I, I have This still confuses me. I'm baffled by this. You're baffled I, that someone wouldn't want to play for the Jets? Well, at least take the meeting. <laughs> at least go by, by visit the way, them. Guess what? The Jets can't say with any certainty who their quarterback is next year. But at least they have, at least it's out there that on one team, the quarterback said, I don't want to play for you. Mm -hmm. And on another team, you have a Hall of Famer that says, I will play for you. On one team, you have a guy who's under contract to play for you next year. Hasn't signed. Until he signs that franchise tender, he's not under anything. Oh, so he's just not going to play football? He could could make that choice. He could. And he seems unlikely. And he could miss half the season and then sign his tender. So that's his prerogative. That's Lamar's prerogative. But Lamar obviously doesn't like this franchise right now. He didn't go to their playoff game. And he, a month ago, talked smack about them and said, I want out. Trade me. So all of a sudden, is this like, is this the Ravens' way of saying, please reconsider us? We've got you, Odell Beckham Jr. Or. Did Odell Beckham and Lamar talk to each other? And now this is this is the marriage that we're going to see. I'll like, are honest. we going to get a report here on Monday that Lamar Jackson has rescinded his trade request and has signed uh, his tender with the Ravens? If that happens, Lamar Jackson thinks way more of Odell Beckham Jr. as a player than I do at this point. Like, he's he's treating Odell Beckham like this is still 2010 or something like this is or is this the Ravens way of saying hey yeah we we're not going to have Lamar but whatever quarterback we have 
we're going to surround him with enough talent that it makes up for the drop in play from a quarterback's yeah. standpoint. So yeah, we might take we might take a hit going from Lamar to and not, let's not say Tyler Huntley, let's just say like quarterback B, but at least quarterback B has now got Mark Andrews and Odell Beckham Jr. to throw to. That's true. Which looks a lot better than having Rashard Bateman as your number one or Nelson, unlike Aguilar, to, to be your number two. So maybe this is the Ravens just trying to surround quarterback B with talent. Well, what it also does is it gives them a little bit of an option come draft day. Uh, like it would have been vital for them to find a wide receiver on. Yes. Draft now day. they don't have to draft a wide. Receiver. Now they don't have to draft a wide receiver. And in fact, or they could trade a draft pick. If things break the right way, maybe there's a quarterback that they're interested in uh, late in the, in the first round at 22 Ooh. overall. So uh, it, it at least opens up some options for them. In my opinion, what if they package Lamar with the 22nd pick? to a team that's in the top five of the draft? Maybe a team that's in the top eight of the draft? Boy, it gets really juicy. And then you can, you know, like if you're the Indianapolis Colts and now you're offered Lamar Jackson and number 22 for number four, maybe you make the deal because you don't need the quarterback. I can't imagine. they. If you're the... Falcons at number eight, you don't need to draft a quarterback. Yeah. It, I, I mean, if you're the Panthers, number one, <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. But maybe there's a, maybe that's something that's going to happen. Maybe, maybe they're going to, I can't imagine. They're going to move up in the draft and draft the quarterback. I can't imagine the, the Ravens saying, you know what? We've been so adamant we're not going to trade Lamar Jackson. Now we're going to package him with our first round draft pick and but trade what if it, like, but There's what no if, way. But what if it means. Being in a position to draft, let's say, Anthony Richardson. I I would much rather have the the hope that I can have Lamar Jackson. It's a completely different system now because it's not Greg Roman. So if it was still Greg Roman, I can understand a guy like Anthony Richardson sliding right in to this Ravens offense. But maybe Todd Monken's got something in mind that maybe Stetson Bennett's the quarterback of the Ravens. I don't know. know. Well, it looks like Lamar Jackson has something in mind. He he tweeted uh, at... OBJ, trust. So the, that's the classic Ravens catchphrase. So uh, I was surprised that he would – I would have been surprised. But after this, I think it's more than 50-50 he's back. Just reading the tea leaves I mean, here. OBJ's there. Justin Tucker's trust. there. What more do you want? Big trust. What more do you want? Yeah, trust. Uh, I got to ask you about the the Jets trading away Elijah Moore for – like they trade Elijah Moore in a third-round pick for a second-round pick. It feels like they didn't get much return for a, a young receiver that has some real upside. Yeah, the Jets wide receiver room is uh, is is now, you know, going to be filled with uh, it's Garrett Wilson, it's Corey Davis, Talon Lazard, it's Mecole Hardman. There's no room for the other guy. There's no room for Elijah Moore. Elijah Moore is better than all of those guys. It's except, not better than Garrett, Garrett Wilson. Wilson. Yeah. Like, I, I, the upside of Elijah Moore is better than all of those well, guys. Well, the Jets were also supposed to sign Odell Beckham Jr. That's, are, they, are the Jets trying to sign to have Aaron like, Rodgers as well? Yeah, the Jets are trying to have like the oldest wide receiver room in the NFL and then get you, Aaron Rodgers. You know, you know who the Jets with. did sign? Randall Cobb. No. No. Oh. Tim Boyle, former Aaron Rodgers backup quarterback. Oh, boy. Yeah. 
That's right. You know, Aaron Rodgers likes to be comfortable having his old backup quarterback behind. Yeah. Him. Well, he's got that the old they have the offensive coordinator in Nathaniel Hackett. He's got his old backup in Tim Boyle. I mean, this is going to be a very familiar quarterback room once Aaron Rodgers becomes a member of the New York Jets. So familiar that Rodgers won't have to go to meetings. <laughs> 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 no, guys, I didn't there. I done that. I just meditate on it. As we complete the second week of the Major League Baseball season, the Tampa Bay Rays They're are good undefeated. Yeah. Now, it's an interesting debate, and Griffin Warner and I talked about this on the Major League Baseball podcast, which you guys can listen on R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Just search R.J. Bell's Dream Preview wherever you get your podcasts from and listen to the Major League Baseball podcast with Griffin and myself. The debate is the Rays are 9-0. They are the... First team since 1884. I remember it like it was yesterday. With a run differential of more than 50 in their first nine games of a season. They have scored a major league best 75 runs. And they have allowed one of the fewest runs in major league baseball. Uh, it, it, it just It's baffling to me how good this team is. But here's the question, AJ. Are they this good, or have they just played the Tigers, <laughs> Nationals, say. and A's? Like, they've literally played three of the, what, five worst teams in the league? Quite possibly. Uh, two, I, two, they've definitely played two teams that will have 100 losses this year in the A's and the Nationals. I mean, it's been, like, if you, and I've watched most of these A's uh, Rays series because I bet on two of the three games Two and zero, obviously. Word on those Word. games. Oh, I keep I, I keep betting the Rays every every which way possible and keep winning. But it, the the A's are inept. The Nationals are. I mean, they're it's it, these don't look like major league rosters. Mm. The Tigers have a couple big league guys, but not many. Like I really think these are three of the five worst teams in Major League Baseball that they've played so far. So. I, but then well, again, listen, you you only play who's in front of you, right? And there are teams that struggle, that have struggled with bad opponents this yeah, year. Yeah, but this I is mean, like the, the Rockies came up with uh with a with two wins against the Padres to start the year. This is like Alabama starting 3 and 0 having played Kent State, Cal, and Navy. Yes. And us going, "Oh my god, Alabama's the best team of all time." Well, it was Kent State, Cal, and Navy. <laughs> so let's maybe tamper down a little bit, but I do like what I've seen out of the Rays. Their pitching is elite, and what's crazy is maybe their best pitcher is not even there yet. Yeah, Tyler Glass. Uh, uh, like they have, they have great arms in the bullpen that they haven't even gotten to use yet. Mm-hmm. Like I, I think their closer doesn't even have a save registered yet. Because, well, they've won every game by four runs. Yeah, it's like he's, there's no save opportunities. Back to back, eleven nothing wins over yeah. the A's. I, I think that it says a lot about the Rays, but it also says a lot about the opponents they've played, who are just dreadful, dreadful teams. Yeah, uh, the Rays will be in for a test when they begin a series with the Red Sox here uh, tonight. Uh, Tampa minus 165. It's probably, Nick Pavetta's going for the Red Sox. For the Rays, honestly, I don't even know. It, it was listed as Josh Fleming, but I'm also seeing Jalen Beeks, so they're probably going to go with an opener. So it might be Jalen Beeks throwing the first inning or two, and then they'll go to Josh Fleming as the bulk guy. Or the or vice versa. So that the Rays pulling out, you know, what they do, right? This is what the Rays do. They were the ones that kind of really started the trend of using openers. Uh, elsewhere, and I'm, I'm probably backing off the Rays mm, tonight. Okay, I'm going to be right back on them tomorrow night when McClanahan's on the mound. Like my guy, I, I'm. 
I don't see the Red Sox. Like, the Red Sox have been hitting everybody. Yeah. They put up big numbers. I don't see him hitting McClanahan, so I'll well, be back I'll, on the Rays what tomorrow I might night. Be, I might still be on the Rays team total um, tonight just because the Red Sox bullpen's trash. And the Rays just have one of the best offenses in Major League Baseball. Like I mentioned, like it doesn't matter that you're who who you're playing, you still have to hit the ball. But do they like that's the crazy thing? Like, I don't know. Like when you look at their roster, is it one of the best lineups in Major League Baseball? Or are I'm they just, just off to a really hot start? They're off to a re- seeing off, A's and Nationals pitching. They're off to a really good start. They have they have seen, you know, A's, but again, they've also seen the aces of those staffs, which again are not as good as other teams. Well, but... the ace of the A's struck out 24 guys in a row in high school. So. <laughs> yeah. Impressive. That's great. But even like, if you just look at the advanced metrics, like they lead the league in weighted runs created, you know, they, they are getting on base more than other teams. They have the lowest strikeout rate in major league baseball. So yes, you are a victim of who you play against, but also you got to get the job done. These are still major league players, major league pitchers pitching to major league batters. And when you are coming through like the Tampa Bay Rays are to start this season, it it, it can't be denied. And I'll be honest, their schedule, Red Sox, Toronto, Reds, White Sox, it may be a while before we see someone who the Rays, Mm -hmm. like we're like, oh, this team is going to really give the Rays a test. And not that they're going to win all of those games. Yeah, yeah. But they should continue to play well, given their the early season mm-hmm. schedule lines up really well for the Rays. The other big story in Major League Baseball is O'Neill Cruz um, suffered a fractured foot. Pirates shortstop. Yeah. You, the, like, you know who he is. Most people uh, don't. Listen, if you follow Major League Baseball, you know who O'Neill Cruz is. He is one of the bright stars of this game and uh, one of the top young players in the sport who was poised to have a monster season this year. And he fractures his ankle in a tough collision at home against the White Sox. This resulted in the benches clearing um, because uh, apparently uh, the the catcher, Sebi Zavala of the, the White Sox, maybe said something. I don't even know. Like, dude, it was just like, there's nothing you could do. This was like a weird collision at the plate. It happens. This was a natural baseball play to me. But... Pirates DH Carlos Santana took exception to Zavala's, I guess, reaction of O'Neill Cruz getting hurt. And so they tar- they start talking smack to each other. And then once they come together, other players start Was talking smack to each other. Was it a baseball fight where there's like, a, a f- like you can see the perfect line between all the, the yellow jerseys? Yeah. Correct. And like nobody's Not- even considering throwing a punch, but they're really and, like and, bumping into each and other the and bullpen, pointing. The bullpen's running from the outfield. Oh, yeah. Nothing he, scarier than a relief pitcher. Exactly. <laughs> but there was zero ejections. Yeah. I, so I no figures. one did anything ejection worthy. This was baseball just, fights. This was a typical baseball. Uh, it's baseball scrum. Yeah. Okay. A baseball scrum. And uh, shout out to Nelson Cruz, who became the third oldest player in baseball history to drive in six runs in a game. Uh, since the RBI became an official stat in 1920, Cruz at 42 years old and 282 days, third oldest player with six ribbies. The only older players, Carlton Fisk. Bonds has to be one of them, right? And Barry Bonds. Right. Yes. Those, uh, and Carlton is, Fisk got me. I wouldn't have expected that one. Yeah, he was 43 years old uh, when he had a six RBI game. But, um, yeah, this was Nelson Cruz still getting the job done. That's, that's very... Uh, very impressive at his age. You know, they say as you get older, you lose your fastball. Well, I mean, if you're just a DH now, and the fact that the DH is universal and you could uh, play in the National League like he is now for the Padres, it extends your career. 
And he, you know, he, he can't be an everyday player, but he can still DH and swing that bat. He's also the second oldest player in modern baseball history, which is since 1900, to have multiple home runs within his first five games of the season. The only other player to do that, Ricky Henderson at nice. 44 years old in 2003. What I love about all this uh, Nelson Cruz old man conversation is he's about six weeks older than I am. So <laughs> that, that, uh, that makes me feel real good about things. I don't see you hitting multiple home runs and driving in six runs in a game. My prime's in front of me, Scott. <laughs> yeah. Prime is in front yes, of me. Yes, it is. Uh, if you want a full breakdown of the Major League Baseball board here on Monday, it was a full slate of games. Listen to, again, R.J. Bell's Dream Preview Major League Baseball edition. Griffin Warner and I broke down the entire betting card for today's games so search rj bell's dream preview wherever you get your podcasts from download the major league baseball uh dream preview and you'll get the full slate of games here for monday it's patrick corbin day yes it is then there's a couple things i want to update so yesterday was a getaway day and there were three games that qualified for the getaway day system and the getaway day system went two and one plus 1.15 units with the Tigers losing to the Red Sox as an underdog, so that was the minus one unit. But the Guardians, as plus 115 dogs, beat the Mariners, and the Giants, as a favorite, beat the Royals. So 2-1 and one, plus 1.15 units on the year. The getaway day system, 5-4 and four, plus 1.54 units. Now, for those of you that are new to the program and are asking, what is the getaway day system, Scott? Well, the getaway day system is where you have a team going for a sweep in a day game, hence the getaway day, and then has to travel to another location for a game the following day. And the only teams that qualified were the Red Sox going for the sweep and then having to travel to Tampa for a game today. The Mariners going for the sweep, having to play in Chicago today. And the Royals going for the sweep, having to play in Texas today. Now, there were several other teams going for sweeps. Philly, Tampa, the Mets, the Twins, the Cubs, all going for sweeps yesterday. But all of those teams staying home for games here on Monday. So it doesn't qualify for the getaway day system. One other system that I am tracking this year, and I started tracking it last week. And we'll see how it goes for the course of the season. No official plays on it just yet, but I want to track it. And the the reason why I'm bringing this up now is because it's relevant today. And this system is called the Sunday Night Baseball Fade. Yes, it is the fade of the teams who play on Sunday Night Baseball. How do they do in their next games? So last week... We had the Sunday Night Baseball game, the Phillies and the Rangers. On Monday, the Phillies played in New York against the Yankees. So that is a Sunday Night Baseball into travel for a Monday game. Now that is the gold star of the fade because they probably get in around 2 o'clock in the morning right you check into the hotel you settle then you got to wake up and you go to the ballpark it's just it's a whole it throws off your whole body clock philly scored one run against the yankees and lost Mm. now the rangers also did not score a single run and got shut out and two and only one hit against the orioles but they didn't have to travel 
but it's still a 2-0 overall Sunday night baseball fade. 1-0, though, on the off-travel situation. So your Sunday night game last night was the Atlanta Braves hosting the San Diego Padres. The Braves and Padres both play tonight. The Padres would be the fade as they then travel to New York to face the Mets. You Darvish against Max Scherzer. The Mets are minus 135. The Mets are the play tonight for the Sunday night baseball fade. And it's just an added bonus that you get Max Scherzer. Yeah. So Mets minus 135, the Sunday night baseball fade play for Monday. As far as the Braves are concerned, no travel. So it's kind of not a part of the system, but I'm still tracking it as far as how it does because you still are 2-0 and fading the Sunday night baseball teams. Atlanta minus 195 at home against the Reds. It's Bryce Elder against Graham Ashcraft. I'm not laying the 195 with the Braves. I also don't have any interest in playing the Braves. I mean, playing the Reds against the Braves. So not an official play. Part of the overall system that I'm tracking, but really the starred system is the Sunday night baseball into travel. And that would be fading the Padres and playing on the Mets. Mackenzie, does that make total sense to you? It does. Let me ask you a question, though, about the Mets. Mm -hmm. No trend exists. Scherzer on the mound. You think it's minus 135. In other words, you think the market is in some way accounting for this? I mean, it is a... You know, teams traveling, I feel like the market should uh, start to consider that. Uh, I think the market is the market is not considering the fade of the Padres because if they were, the Mets would be minus 150. Right. I think the market is just taking into account it's Max Scherzer. And that's why the Mets are a low favorite because the Padres right now are, are, are hot. The Padres just took three or four from Atlanta and are coming off a 10-2 win. This is after a 4-1 win on Saturday. So the Padres, who you know started off slow, losing two to the Rockies, have really come back. They've won three straight games now, outscoring their opponents, the Braves, 19-6 in those three games. So Padres are hot. Padres are playing good baseball. The Mets are coming off a loss to the Marlins, which was uh, the Marlins avoiding the sweep. Max Scherzer did not look great. In his last start, it hasn't exactly been the ideal start to a season for Max Scherzer. I mean, guy's got a 6.35 ERA and only eight strikeouts in two starts. That's not a good start for Max Scherzer. Maybe he is, you know, adjusting to the pitch clock and all that stuff. But you think the Sunday night fade affects the offense more than it does the defense? I do, which is why I would, you know, I think I think Max maybe Max over his strikeout prop. I think you could get some sleepy Padres at the at the plate. Even though it's a night game, it's still, you know, the Padres' body clock is messed up from going from West Coast to East Coast. Granted, they played the four games in Atlanta, so you still have to adjust. But now it's it's finishing in Atlanta and then, you know, late night traveling, then flying up to New York, then going to your hotel, then, you know— uh, these pl- players probably didn't get to sleep till three o'clock in the morning. You got all these texts. Hey, I saw you on TV. You sucked. Like ten to two. <laughs> I'm just saying. Like, no, the the Padres won. Oh, yeah, exactly. The yeah. opposite, yeah, which yeah, is even yeah. more damning. Hey, you look great. Right? Yeah, yeah. Maybe they're out celebrating. Who knows? Uh, I just think that you could get some tired Padres here. I might even look at a first five under because you got you Darvish, who's pitching well to start the year, and and, and Max Scherzer. Um, 
But, yeah, the Mets would be the Sunday night baseball fade for tonight. You want my best bet for today? Yes, please. It's Dylan Seastay. It is Dylan Seastay. Griffin and I talked about this on the podcast. It uh, is Griffin C- And the line is even, which is really, really confusing. And it just goes to show you how down, like, the market is on the White Sox. On the White Sox. Well, that's why I played under seven and a half mm. instead of playing on the White Sox. Because they, they do their lineup stinks. Yeah. And Eloy Jimenez is out. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's, it's bad. But Quinta Maeda... Like his first start was against Sandy Alcantara. Yeah, he, he lost he, one to nothing. Yeah, I, he went he went right with them. Struck out nine. Yeah, he's pretty good against this crummy White Sox lineup. He should be able to do some. He's starting to look like, you know, the old school pre injury Maeda. That's a good sign for the Twins. And I just I, Dylan Cease has dominated way better lineups than this, what this he's going to see here this, in Minnesota. This, this is the play. The play is under four in the first five innings. I don't hate that either. Under four but in the I, first five innings. The reason why I'm good with seven and a half, these are both pretty solid bullpens, too. Mm. I feel okay with the bullpens behind me, so uh, I, I can't change my bet. They won't let me take it back to the window, but under seven and a half is going to be my play. Yeah, I, I would go under in the first five innings. I, I just Betting a baseball full game under is just so dangerous. This could be a 2-2 game going into the bottom of the ninth inning, and all of a sudden you're sweating extra innings because you, you get into extra innings with the ghost runner, and then runs are just scored, and it's just a and whole, it is a pick I mean, a whole fiasco. Right. So I would go under four in the first five innings. And you know another thing here? This is a day game, um, which is kind of – I feel it, it's not opening day for the Twins, so I'm very curious as to why it's a it's a day game and it's an early start. I think maybe just because it's early in the year and it's Minnesota and maybe they schedule the day games to for weather purposes, right? Because, and listen, 62 degrees at 2 o'clock in the afternoon in Minnesota is a lot different than 40-something degrees at night in Minnesota. Yeah. So maybe that's why they do it. But with it being a day game, you have an early start. You have travel for the White Sox, which leads to Chicago starting off slow. Little sleepy bats to start the game. Now Dylan Cease is going to do what Dylan Cease is going to do and shut down the Twins. So if the Twins don't score off Cease and the White Sox, White Sox are tired, that goes to the under four in the first five innings. The other bonus that I think we get here is at this time of the year where it's still early and it's a day game, I'm not so sure what the sun and shadow situation is going to be like at this ballpark. Maybe the sun comes in differently, obviously different times of the year it does, but maybe in April in Minnesota, you have different sun rays coming in in different uh, parts of the ballpark, shining some shadows maybe over the mound or maybe over the batter's box. I don't know. I haven't watched enough Twins day games in April to tell you which way the sun is shining. But I think under four first five is the way to go with this early start time in Minnesota. Mackenzie, what do you got? It's funny how in every sport, early start times lead to less scoring. This is very much the case in basketball, college basketball, but isolated just April, look at games that start before 2 o'clock Eastern, you're profiting over thousands of games, 53.2% to the under uh, in this particular scenario. Love it. Mm. Love it. Yeah. Uh, again, for Dylan the full, <laughs> for the full Major League Baseball uh, card for Monday, please go check out R.J. Bell's Dream Preview Major League Baseball edition. Griffin Warner and I went through every single game on the slate for today. There were only two games on the ice yesterday. Favorites win both. The Bruins beat the Flyers 5-3. Avalanche 5-4. Overtime win 
over the Ducks. Can't believe it took overtime. Uh, but the Bruins, oh, by the way, the Avalanche, I think, are now, they've won 10 straight road games. They're, 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 they're fine wherever they play in the postseason. But the Bruins, with the win, secure the NHL record for single-season wins. That is impressive. They become the first team in history to post 63 wins in a single season. Congratulations to the Bruins for uh, that impressive uh, regular season that they have two games left now. 63 wins, 12 losses, five overtime losses. At home this year, 33 wins, four regulation losses, three overtime losses. Think about that. There's been 40 home games for the Boston Bruins. You have season tickets to the Bruins. You've gone to 40 games at TD Garden. They've only lost seven of those games. Seven. Strong. Seven. (laughs) That's unbelievable. That's the best ticket in sports right now. Hard to beat. You go to the game every night expecting a win, and they do win. 1986 Boston Celtics, 40 and 1. Wow. 96% of the time you go to the stadium, you're watching your home team win a game. That's unbelievable. Uh, So the Bruins, they obviously the President's Trophy winner, the number one seed in the Eastern Conference standings, and uh, they will await the second wild card in the playoffs. They're plus 350. Is that like a— What's plus 350? The Boston Bruins to win the championship. Mm. Does that seem right to you? Shouldn't they be like a historic favorite at this point in the season? Um, no, because hockey is we've we've seen it's in different. the past. It, it's it's such a different uh, sport. It more so than any other sport, anybody can win. And we've seen like in in basketball, it was, I think, what the Nuggets were the Nuggets the only eight seed to beat a one seed. Yeah, for a long time. For a long Matumbo. time, that was it, yeah. right? Like the Nuggets. Remember Matumbo laying on the ground, like crying <laughs> when yeah. holding the basketball. Ah. Uh, no, no. Right? Yeah. Um, it's like an eight seed beating a one seed is such a rarity. Uh, in the NFL, yes, we've had wild cards go on to win the Super Bowl. In hockey, it's happened a lot <laughs> where like an eight seed has beaten a one seed. Um, we had an eight, the, the, the Kings were an eight seed that won the Stanley Cup. Like, we, it just happens. You get a hot goaltender, you run through the playoffs. The Stanley Cup playoffs are, I think, the most even sporting event out of even playoffs in any sport. More so than like, you know, they get to the NCAA tournament. But in hockey, anybody could beat anybody on any given night. Unless you're like the you know Columbus Blue Jackets or Ducks or you know one of these bad teams, but those are teams that are trying to lose. Anyway, let's take a look at what we have tonight: games that have importance for playoff standings. So I want to look at wild cards first. The Panthers are home to the Maple Leafs. Florida right now is in possession of the first wild card. They are tied with the Islanders. At 91 points, but they hold the tiebreaker. There's two games left in the regular season. Florida has won six straight games. So Atlantic is good, man. So playing on these teams that need wins for playoff seedings, if you've played on the Florida Panthers for the last six games thinking, hey, final stretch of the regular season, they need wins. Yeah, they've won six straight games 
And I like them to win this game at home against the Maple Leafs because Toronto has absolutely nothing to play for. Toronto's got three games left, and the most important thing for them is to stay healthy. So if any of their players come up with uh, any kind of bump or bruise in this game, they might not get as much ice time as they would normally get because they got a playoff series to think about against the Lightning, and they have home ice in that series, so nothing to play for. You have the Islanders are currently tied with them, as I mentioned, at 91 points. Islanders have won two straight games, but six of their last 10. They are at the Capitals. Islanders are minus 160. Capitals have already been eliminated. Got to go with the Islanders here. I think both these teams continue to win as they both try and fight off the Pittsburgh Penguins, who have 90 points, and the Buffalo Sabres are still alive at 85 points, and we'll wait and see what those teams have coming up later on this week. As far as the race for the one seed in the Metropolitan, at home, and really the race for whoever's going to be home ice in any of these series, Carolina is one point up on the Devils, but they have a game in hand. The Devils are two points up on the Rangers. Carolina tonight is at Ottawa. Carolina's minus 190. Ottawa has just recently been eliminated from playoff contention. So kind of like Carolina for a bounce back performance. The Rangers are hosting the Sabres. New York is minus 195. Now Buffalo is going to give it their best effort, right? They need a win or else they are eliminated. Now, Buffalo does have two games in hand on the Islanders and the Panthers. So while the best record that the Islanders can finish with is 94 points, or excuse me, 95 points, Buffalo can finish with, let's see, four, eight. They could finish with 92. Mm. So Buffalo with a loss would be eliminated. So you got Rangers, Buffalo, Buffalo with a loss would be eliminated. You're going to get a here's where I, here's what I kind of like here. I like the Rangers on the puck line because the Rangers at home, yes, they have something to play for in they're trying to get home ice advantage. They're still not out of it, I guess, for first place. You know, with uh, let's see, with two games left, the Rangers can finish with 110 points. If Carolina loses all three games, I mean, yeah, there's a possibility, but the Rangers are still two points back of the Devils. Anyway, if the Rangers have a lead. At the end of the game, the Sabres will empty the net like they always do. Desperation time. Like they always do. But they might empty the net earlier than normal. And if they're down two, they're going to empty the net even more. If they're down three, they might empty the net. In fact, the plus money play is probably Rangers on the alternate line at minus two and a half. Because this is win or go home for the Sabres. The net's going to be empty for like five minutes, probably. They're down one, net's empty. Down two, net's empty. Down three, net's empty. I would also look at the over because of that. Because even if this is a three to two game, this could end up being a six two finish. Yeah. So I, I, maybe that's the play. And then maybe if the Rangers punt this game away. And we find out that it's going to be Yarrow Halak in net and and maybe Patrick Kane's not playing and the Rangers are punting the game. Well, then I like the over even more because Buffalo's a high-scoring team. Yep. So either way, you know what, maybe I'll take that back. Maybe forget about the Rangers on that puck line, but maybe the over is the play because it protects you from 
the situation where the Rangers blow them out, but also it protects you in case the Rangers punt the game and Buffalo just scores. So that could be a way uh, to look at it here. In the Western Conference, things are, are really interesting because you got Winnipeg one point up on Calgary for the second wildcard spot, and they're three points up on Nashville. Winnipeg tonight will be hosting the Sharks. Winnipeg's minus 320. They should not lose that game. There's no reason for Winnipeg to lose that game. But this game is a playoff game, and that is Panthers and Predators. Calgary's minus 195. With this being a playoff game, I would lean towards the under because I think both teams come out with an intensity in a must-win game that they're not going to allow a lot of space. This total has already ticked down from 6.5 to 6, which kind of lends to my thought process of this being a playoff-type game. I'm curious to see if it goes... I can't play it if it goes to 5.5, but... Six to the under probably would be a look for me. If it's six and a half, it's definitely a play. Six is kind of like borderline, but at least, you know, you get some push protection there. Would you be worried about that same effect with the Predators season on the line? Maybe they pull their goalie early? Uh, no, because they have a game in hand on the Flames. So if if they— A tie is not the worst thing? or a tie, Going to overtime is great because then yeah. they'll be one point back, you know, at the worst— well, they'll they can still be uh, two uh, two points back, whatever at the worst, right? But they won't be. Um, I guess if they lose this game, they'll be four points back of the Flames, but they have two extra points to gain by having an extra game on hand. So uh, it's not the worst thing for Calgary to lose, though. This would be very bad because if Calgary loses, they're now tied with Nashville for ninety points. And Nashville has two extra points to gain. And the Jets already have two extra points to gain. So, I mean, listen, the Jets could just win out and it doesn't even matter. And both Calgary and Nashville are out. But this is more of a must win for Calgary than it is for Nashville. And Calgary is minus 195 in this game. Jets get Aaron Rodgers? Uh, These Winnipeg Jets? Probably not. Be a hell of a story if they did. It would be. Came out, of the, came out of the darkness. Decided. Decided <laughs> I wanted to play for the want, Blue Bombers. Want to move to Winnipeg. Is that the Winnipeg team, the Blue Bombers? I think so, yeah. Yeah, right? Winnipeg. I don't know. These teams change their names so much. Like, uh, the CFL teams, like, they, they've changed their names over well, the, the years. the Eskimos had to change because it was, it was yeah, like the, the uh, Washington Redskins. They had yes, to change it. The Eskimos changed. But weren't there also, like, two Rough Riders? Yeah, I think there and then one of them, And then no, one of them changed their name. There's mm. there, there were two Rough Riders. One of them is still the Rough Riders. Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan is still the Rough Riders. And I think the other one um, changed their name. So I don't know who it was. Was it was it Ottawa? Was it was Ottawa the Rough Riders? Yes, yeah, Ottawa was the Rough Riders. And now they're something else? Uh, they were the Rough Riders until 1996. Okay, now what are they now? I don't know. Ottawa something, anyway. Uh, Senators? <laughs> the Ottawa Red Blacks. That's their team name. Ah. Yeah. CFL, Hamilton. When does CFL start? It's a year-round sport for me. I mean, <laughs> tape, tape mostly right now. And fun fact, the Ottawa, the Ottawa Rough Riders did not change their names. The Ottawa Rough Riders became a defunct franchise. The Red Blacks totally new uh, franchise. Really? Yeah. Well. How about that? 
Okay, CFL season, I believe, begins uh, in June. So well, I'm sure Fez will be on top of that. Yeah, go to pregame.com. We have several experts, including the great Steve Fezzik in the art of Canadian football. Yeah, so it, it's coming soon. Uh, speaking of pregame.com, you guys can go and take 20% off anything you'd like at pregame.com. I would recommend a season-long subscription package because that's the best way to make sure that you never miss a bet. Like, you can certainly buy a daily best bet package. It's great. We have a lot of those. But, like, a season subscription package is probably the best way to get the bang for your buck, especially if you're going to take 20% off like you are doing using one of our promo codes. Here's a promo code for you. SHINE20. S-H-I-N-E 20. We'll get you 20% off anything you'd like at pregame.com. Mackenzie Rivers, do you have a NBA postseason package? Yep. Yeah. Sure postseason do. package. Rest that's season access. And to what's the your uh, what's your record in the NBA this year? Fifty six percent. Wow. Yeah. So that's good. So you get that the, doesn't suck. You get the NBA Thank postseason. Uh, I, there's. I have a baseball. It's basically package. the same as my baseball percentage this year. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Look but, at us. Yeah. Look at you. <laughs> nice. Listen. It's not as good as my. It's not as good as my NBA record though. Oh, yeah, undefeated. It's I'm it's undefeated hard to in that. the NBA. One and zero, baby. Was it a one system play, Warriors and, system? Oh no, it was the Lakers. Oh okay. But when they were six and a half point favorites, and then the Suns announced that no one was playing, and it went to twelve and a half. Good call. But that's why I gave it out on pregame.com. Hey, CLV, baby. You got enough massive CLV. Anyway, I have a baseball package up. I have a hockey package up. You can get a combo of both. I'm on an eleven and two hockey run, twenty three and nine baseball run. Like, that's an overall run of I'm not good at math, so it's 34 and 11, I think. Uh, sounds good. It sounds good. Twenty Take 20% off of that. Shine 20. Jump on board that. It, it's going to be a, a very profitable summer, I feel, for all of us here at pregame.com, especially this trio on SOVAM. You mean like, the guys that are in the winner's group chat? That's what we're winners calling only? it. It's the winner's only group chat because AJ's firing off winners. Mackenzie's firing off winners. I'm firing off winners. And then every day we're just congratulating each other. And we're, we are the definition of that Paul Rudd meme from Hot Ones where it's like, hey, yeah, look at us. Look at us. Look at us. Who thought we'd be here? Not me. Yeah. Shine 20 gets you 20% off anything you'd like at pregame.com. For Mackenzie Rivers and AJ Hoffman, I'm Scott Seidenberg. We are straight out of Vegas. Hey, yeah.